Hey, thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope that you'll be able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope that this message will be an inspiration to you and that you'll find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about um, the gift that I'm the strongest in. And how many of you already know or think you are an exhorter? Let me see your hand. All right. There's several of us. We're going to have a meeting afterwards. We're going to hang out, um, get to know each other a little bit better because we are special. All right. So anyway, truth of the matter is we're all special and uh, God wants to use the gift that you have in your life to interact with others. That's what those gifts are for. They're not just for you. They are for you to share and be involved in other people's lives in some way or fashion or dimension. And uh, what better way in the church where you can get involved in a group, you can go to a class, maybe you're a teacher. And uh, Pastor Marcos said something last week. It was in the notes about feels and uh, and he was like, I don't really like that word. And I made myself a note to change it, uh, to believe, because um, him having the teaching gift, that's what teachers would prefer. Okay, so let's get into this. For those of you that are new, um, we're going to go through these 20 characteristics. So go ahead and put on your seatbelt, all right? Um, 20 questions. We're going to go through them and going to do so rather rapidly, almost too rapidly, I know. Um, I recently found out there was a pastor in the city years ago that took one whole year to go through the gifts. And uh, I thought, well, we're not going to do that, but uh, probably wouldn't help hurt to probably slow down a little bit, but we don't have time. All right. So anyway, Jesus is coming. And so we got to get this out. All right. So exhorter, um, if you, um, listen to this, you look over to the side and you say, no, I never do that. Or I usually do it. Uh, I seldom do it. Uh, always do it. So you just go ahead, check that or write the uh, number in and then you add it up at the bottom, and then you take this card, the white card, and you move it over. If it's 50, you put it to 50, or all the way up to 70, or wherever you land. On the flip side are 10 questions. Um, this is just for your information. Once you answer these questions, you look down at the bottom, and you see how mature you are in this gift. Now, let me say that um, even though I have the gift, the main gift of exhorter, I also am strong in other gifts. Pastor John mentioned before service to me, I didn't know that I should have, but he's an exhorter. But he's strong in, a, in serving and administration. And so I'm I have other giftings too, and so do you. You're not, uh, you know, 70 in one gift and zero in all the others, okay? So God wants to use you, and sometimes, many times, even outside 
your main gifting. All right. My wife told me to cool my jets and just talk. All right. That's going to be hard to do. Um, because you get up here and there's just something about this pulpit. You get in preacher mode. All right. Um, I, uh, Alice and I were not here this past weekend. Um, she wanted to go uh, off for her birthday, which we did. And uh, I listened to Pastor Johnny's message early, 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 early this morning. And even though it was way before sunup, it was so very good. And I know you enjoyed it too. Number one. All right. The characteristics of the gift of exhortation. Dear Lord God, I've already gotten by. Number one, uh, a motivation to urge people to their full spiritual maturity and to live, that person to live victoriously in Christ. Paul is our example of an exhorter. Let me just read the scripture for you. Paul's goal was to present in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Anytime you see the word perfect, you typically can substitute mature, all right? So he wanted, Paul wanted every person to grow and to become mature, not to be childish, which he uh, admonished the Corinthians over, but uh, to be mature, okay. So exhorters like to help people to live up to their full potential. Number two, so uh, whatever you score on that chart, put it down, okay? Number two, an ability to discern where a person is in their spiritual growth and to speak on that level. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, uh, he saw them as spiritual infants and he said, and I, brethren, 1 Corinthians 3, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So what is a carnal Christian? It is a Christian who has never grown up and matured spiritually. So Paul said, I can't even talk to you guys. You're still carnal. And uh, he, that sounds like a perceiver almost, but anyway, he, uh, to gauge the spiritual level of people. Number three, so if you are in that category, wherever you are, seldom, never, always put it down. Number three, a desire to give precise steps of action in urging people toward spiritual maturity. Paul's writings are filled with practical counsel. And so for those of you that are exhorters, you know this is a hallmark characteristic of an exhorter. It is the practical, the daily walk, um, what you do on a practical level. The teachers, they're into theology, all right? And uh, so are the exhorters, but the practical reigns supreme in their mind. Exhorters love to give specific steps for people to follow. And I don't do as much counseling anymore, but typically still, uh, if, well, if you, if just listen to me, I've heard enough of you. I'm talking to somebody counsel. I'm not, I'm kidding. I would never talk to somebody that way, but inside I'm thinking, please be quiet. So I can tell you what to do. So if you would do this and this and this, Hey, that's all you need to do. Just those three things. You'll be spiritual. 
But, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a little more than one, two, three. All right, number four. Number four, a drive to explain truth with logical reasoning or it makes sense, all right? So it's still there with some practical aspect. A drive, if this is you, a drive to explain truth with logical reasoning in order to make it accepted. Okay, Paul's writings on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 are classic in logical thinking. It just made sense as you read through 1 Corinthians 15. Number five, an ability to visualize spiritual achievement for people and to use this to motivate them to action, to visualize spiritual achievement, to counsel with people, to talk to people, and to encourage them, to exhort them toward uh, spiritual achievement that you visualize. Number six, a desire for face-to-face discussions in order to determine and ensure a positive response. Uh, Loves to do personal counseling. Okay, loves to do it. I don't do it as much anymore, but I do love it when I do it. Um, They also wanna do a face-to-face. You're a face-to-face person. You don't want an email, all right? And emails can be so insensitive anyway. Um, if you are a perceiver, be careful with emails, all right? I'm just telling you. Some of you perceivers have written emails that you should have given to somebody with the gift of mercy to look over and edit before you sent it, all right? So how many of you have ever sent an email and you're like, I didn't mean that? Well, if you didn't mean it, why did you write it, all right? So anyway, just much better. Exhorters, they don't like the email. They want to be face-to-face when it's talking about personal issues. Okay, number seven, uh, an ability to identify with people of different types and backgrounds in order to gain a wider hearing. Uh, I don't know if God just, I don't know why God did it, but the diversity of this church is one of the things that thrills my heart thrills Alice's heart. I think thrills all of our hearts, all right, to be honest. And uh, when I first became pastor of this church, it was basically a white church. Uh, Nothing wrong with that, but uh, this was quite a while ago. Uh, Some years passed, and a man um, came up to me, and he says, Pastor, I want to tell you something. He hadn't ever told me before, and some time had passed. He said, when I first came here, I walked in the door, I looked around, I didn't see much color. And he said, I started to leave. And God said, don't leave. You you be the color. You add the color to what you're seeing. And when this man told me that, I was, and I still feel it, overwhelming gratitude that somebody would walk through that door and even though they may not have envisioned that's the kind of church or the church they wanted to be in 
God spoke to them and they obeyed. And I just thought to myself when he told me that, it's people like you that have made this church what it is because you're the one that said, yes, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna make a difference. Wow, uh, my heart still fills with gratitude for that to that person. Okay, where am I at? What, what question? Number eight, okay, thank you. All right, number eight, a motivation. No doubt a teacher over here. All right, a motivation to bring harmony between diverse groups of Christians and an awareness that harmony is basic to spiritual maturity. The thoughts to me of anybody ever treating anybody else differently because of a different culture, different color, different diversity of any uh, aspect of their, their life is just, uh, just horrible thinking to me that I would ever encounter Christians that have ever acted like that. Um, growing up in the deep south and the rural panhandle, um, God has brought me into this and I didn't know all along. It was in me as it is in every person that's a believer, but certainly in the life of an exhorter. Number nine, an ability to welcome personal tribulation or trials as a chief motivator of spiritual growth. Paul gloried in his infirmities because he saw that they brought God's power in far greater weight of glory. Uh, looking back, as I read through the notes, looking back, I thought to myself, That's, this has not always been the case uh, of going through pain or going through difficulty. Uh, Alice and I went on vacation. The kids were all small, uh, under 10, I think. And it was back when we had to have two cars to go on vacation. Uh, anybody in the crowd ever have to have two cars? No, we're the only ones in the whole church that ever had. We drove to Coco, two cars, lots of luggage, uh, every imaginable thing we could possibly need for the long duration of one week. All right, and so while there, I swam a lot, and one day I went inside, laid down on the floor. I couldn't get up off the floor, just couldn't get up. And I, I, I panicked, I thought I was, something horrible was wrong with me. I, Alice finally helped me up. She had to pack the two cars. Um, after all, I was near death, and so anyway, got in the car, I'm dry. I drove straight to the hospital. I'm thinking they're gonna rush me into surgery. They take me to a side room and say to me, um, we're gonna give you a prescription muscle relaxers. relaxers. You, uh, you just pulled a muscle. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're not gonna operate right now? Um, thank God they didn't operate. And, uh, but back then I couldn't tolerate pain as, as much, but I've discovered through the years having been through a lot of uh, sickness back in 20 years or so ago and bouts through the years that um, I look at it differently. And just like when this COVID started, I mentioned this once before, 
I said to Alice, I was laying down, taking a nap. I said, Alice, let me tell you something. You know, the fear mongering was going on in the very beginning. And I said, Alice, um, if I don't make it, um, it's been a good life. I want you to go on and, um, you know, whatever, have a good life. Don't, you know, die of agony after I go. You know, I, that was implied. But uh, I said, it's been a good life. And so if I die, I'm just going to go to heaven. But Alice, I'm not going to die. And uh, I had no fear. I knew the possibility might exist, but it really didn't enter my mind. And uh, so now I look at trials and problems differently. And um, Paul did also. I'm not comparing myself to the great Paul, but in some similarities, all exhorters have this, these tendencies. Number 10, once a visual, visible response when teaching or speaking. I don't know. I love to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. But one of the reasons is when I see what God does in people's lives. It's incredible. Um, it's awesome. And that's why exhorters want people to respond. And um, they, they want a vis visible response. A couple of weeks ago, I told you about the dece uh, perceiver. We were talking about that. And the girl that in my youth group that was about, she was about 20 at the time, who uh, we prayed with and prayed with. She was dating uh, a married man. And we saw tears and brokenness. And, and as an exhorter, when I saw the tears, I'm like, thank God, thank God, thank God. Then I see the pastor walk in and he's just got his arms like that. And I'm like, you know, I knew he wasn't that spiritual. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just puzzled that he cannot. I would have thought to myself, if I had walked into that room, I would have just started crying too. He did. Just looking, looking around. I keep peeking at him like, what is his problem? And then he says, okay, are you going to give him up? No. And when I heard that, I could not believe it. As an exhorter, I just wanted to smack her. I, I was like, my God, woman, what do you mean you're not going to give this man up? Yes, you are. Now stop that. And he asked her again. She said, no. I was, I'm still traumatized over it. All right. So anyway, number 11, prefers to apply truth rather than research it prefers to apply truth. All right. Um, loves teachers because good teachers, they provide lots of information, um, that a person, uh, a, uh, exhorter can tap into and utilize and make better. All right. By giving it a practical application. All right. Number 12 prefers systems of information that have practical application, how to books, books that focus on practical application. They probably prefer sermons that have some measure of practical application. So whatever you score, write that down or check it. All right. Number 13 focuses on working with people. All right. Exhorters are people persons. Um, 
They're not interested in working with things or system or abstract ideas, generally speaking. Okay, so do you focus on working with people? Number 14, finds truth in experience and then validates it with scripture. Okay, life is so full of lessons and insights to the exhorter, uh, they, that's where they practically learn things from life. Uh, I do remember doing this at least once in my life. I came up with this, I felt like it was a God-inspired divine uh, message, sermon, um, came together, and then I went looking for scripture, right, to apply to that and uh, reinforce it. But uh, I didn't do that very often, but at least once. And number 15 is, is fluent in communication. Fluent in communication, except when you have some congestion. All right, so anyway, fluent in communication. Are you fluent? Usually, sometimes, all right, seldom. Number 16, is greatly loved. Isn't that sweet? All right, is greatly loved because of his or her positive attitude. All right, um, loving people is a, um, and this is so, this is such a God thing because Alice and I truly, along with our staff, of course, truly love people. Uh, one, of, one of the things we delight in doing is going to those membership little meals after, like last Wednesday, and just getting to know people. You don't usually have a lot of time when hundreds of people are walking through the doors on Sunday to carry on a conversation of, where they came from and uh, their upbringing and all of that. Number 17, prefers to witness with life rather than verbal witnessing. In that respect, they're like the teacher, as you heard last week, prefers to witness with life rather than verbal witnesses, which they will do, certainly can, but they prefer uh, their life is to be the standard bearer of the witness. Number 18, makes decisions easily. Um, makes decisions easily. Decision-making comes natural and easily to most exhorters. For them, life is too short to be indecisive. Number 19, oh boy. Number 19, wants to clear up problems with others quickly. Wow. Um, will ask forgiveness easily and expects others to forgive easily, which they don't always do. But uh, exhorters, in, when they get to maturity, they have no problem asking forgiveness. Um, years ago, I had a man say something about me and the church on Facebook. That was when Facebook was first coming out. I'm in my office. Either someone told me heard about it. I went, got in my car, drove to his house. He was asleep. Told his wife to wake him up and uh, to make it right. And uh, I'm sitting there and I said at the end, I said, so do you really believe that? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, well, then I need prayer. So I want you to pray for me. And I sat there and he prayed. I don't remember what he prayed, but uh, 
he prayed. I, I, um, I didn't certainly make fun of his prayer or anything. I knew it wasn't true what he said, but to him, it was true at that moment at least. And so I wanted him to get it out of his system. Plus, came back to the office. Exhorters love making things right. Came back to the office. I told them, send him all his tithe back. And, um, and so I had no problem doing that. Reconciliation is more important than somebody's tithe. Okay, uh, one more illustration on that, and I better hurry. But uh, Alice and I, um, we went to a place that uh, sells, I better be careful here, um, soles for shoes. And these were supposed to be miracle soles. Uh, I walked in, and if you know me, I can be, I can be a little frugal. Um, and when I walked in, and they came out with these two pieces of, I don't know what they were made out of, to slip into the shoe, I was expecting $20, $30. I was not expecting, I don't know what it was, a couple hundred. And I just had a, a Southern reaction. I was like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? The store wasn't very big, so apparently some others heard it, all right? Um, I don't usually react that way, but I was overwhelmed. I was like, I want to buy into this company. That's what I want to do. And so, so we ended up buying something. I don't remember what. And it did help, actually. Uh, but I came back to the office and um, I, I was talking to a lady or she called me and she says, Pastor, a good friend of mine who owns this store said that you came in and that you made a scene. I'm like, what? That's a lie. I did not make a scene. I just said, you got to be kidding me. Well, they were offended. Get off the phone, get in my car, drive the 12 or so miles. Right then, nothing is more important in my life right then than going back. Walk in, saw the person, said, look, I want you to please, please, please forgive me. And they said, oh, no, 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 there's nothing. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Why do people do that? Why do people do that? They, they tell something about somebody and then when the person comes to a oh, don't worry about it, it was no big deal. Yes, it was or you would not have told. All right, so, but anyway, uh, I told them, I said, please forgive me, I'm so sorry. They were like, no, it was no big deal. I'm like, yes, it was. So I profusely fell on my face and apologized and I was very sincere. I was very embarrassed. I go back to the office. I'm feeling fine now. Life is good. Two or three weeks later, I get a letter from the store. And I'm like, okay. Inside was a check for $1,000 for our church. And a letter saying, thank you so much for coming and doing what you did. 
I looked at that check and I said, any day of the week, I'll go 12 miles for $1,000. So if I've offended you, tell me, all right? So I'll come to your house. Number 20, needs a sounding board for bouncing off ideas and thoughts. Need a sounding board. So, uh, of course, Alice, mostly in staff, but uh, um, you need a sounding board, okay? Now, quickly, we're gonna move, turn the page over. We're gonna move to problem areas of exhorters, okay? Hmm, okay. How exhorters can misuse their gift. Number one, if they're not careful and they're immature or growing, take family time to counsel others, okay? Uh, they want to give whatever time and attention they can help somebody else, all right? Sometimes they take family time. Number two, excuse me. They treat family and friends as projects rather than persons, okay? They... Even talking to family, they may uh, be encouraging, engaging, but if they're not careful, family members can feel more like they're a project than a special uh, person that this person is pouring into. All right, so you mark the same thing there. If you uh, take family time to counsel others, usually, always, never, seldom. Okay, and number uh, three, okay. Number three, shares private illustrations without permission. Let's go to number four. Okay, so anyway, yes. Have I ever done that? Yes, okay. And so anyway, um, shares private uh, illustrations without permission. Certainly have, God forgive. I thank God God forgives. All right, number four, jumps into new projects without finishing existing ones. We're talking about immature exhorters, all right? Um, number five, trust visible results rather than a true change of hearts. They like tears. They like people crying. It means something to them. Number six, tends to interrupt others in eagerness to give opinions or advice. Let me read that again. Some of you need this one tends to interrupt others in eagerness to give opinions or advice. I don't know, two or three years ago, I read an article. It was entitled Conversational Narcissist. I was fascinated by that term and uh, started reading it. And I'm like, dear Lord, I've done this. I can't believe it. I've done this before. Uh, a conversational narcissist is when somebody is telling a story. It may be a personal experience, maybe something they, somebody went through that they know, but if you're a conversational narcissist, you're sitting there thinking, hurry, hurry, please hurry. My story is better than your story, and it's going to top yours. And uh, we got in the green room, I don't know, a year or so ago two or three of us, and uh, somebody told a story. It was pretty good. And then somebody told a story, and we're like, that's better. 
And uh, somebody else told a story and we're like, they win. I mean, they just blew it away. They were, their story was the best story of all, all right? Um, but they are thinking, if they're not careful, they're thinking about giving an illustration while the other person is still talking. Number seven, okay. Uh, we'll use scripture out of context to make a point, all right? We'll use, we're talking about immature here. We'll use scripture out of context in order to make a point. Number eight, raises the expectation of others prematurely, has a tendency to believe any problem can be solved in a week or two. All right, um, number nine. Oh, this one, ooh. Uh, number nine, outspokenly opinionated. All right, if they've got anything, they've got an opinion, all right? And um, there have been times that I've said something to Alice and I, I stopped myself and I said, Alice, uh, pay no attention to what I just said. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, and of course, she profusely disagreed with me. All right, so anyway, um, no, she didn't say anything. All right, anyway, number 10, can become overly self-confident. Can become overly self-confident. That is an immature exhorter. Okay, so down at the bottom of those 10 questions, if you rated 10 or less, you're very mature. Um, 11 to 20, you're growing in grace. Um, 31 to 40, you're just plain immature and need to grow up, all right? So anyway, 41 to 50, you need to come to the altar, all right? After service. But the 20 questions you add up and you chart them on this, what's your gift? white profile card. And at the end of this series, for those of you online, I encourage you, if you miss some, go back, all right, and watch them. Uh, you can download from the website. If you don't have the capacity to download, call the church office, we'll mail them to you, all right? Um, but we want you to learn what your motivational gift is so you can help others so you can understand yourself even better and you can grow in grace and maturity and knowledge uh, to be a part of blessing the body of Christ. Would you bow your heads with us, please? Father, we bless your name, all the gifts. God, you've given so many gifts. You've, you've given us these motivational gifts. You've given us the gift of knowledge, wisdom, the gift of tongues, oh, on and on and on and on. You've empowered us with gifting from above. So Lord, none of these we can credit ourselves with. We credit you in all your glory. God, for a purpose, for a reason, you have made us like we are. And God, thank you for not only the diversity of different cultures and upbringings, but the diversity of gifts you have placed in this church for such 
a time as this. Lord, help them to get involved. Help them to understand this is more than walking in, sitting down, listening and leaving. God, I pray you'd help every one of us. We need you desperately, Lord. And God, help us in our gift, whatever it is. God, help us to grow mature for the glory of God. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thanks for joining with us in our pursuit of getting closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.